As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. When you have a presence on the job and that people know that they're being held accountable, you usually have a higher chance of success. So doing all that homework will definitely help your chances of success and helping you have a successful project. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template 
should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Kevin Palka. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Theo. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us a little bit about Kevin. He is a CEO of MVP Equities, a multifamily real estate developer. He has 18 years of real estate experience and MVP focuses on acquiring land entitled Develop and Build based in Vienna, Virginia. You can learn more about Kevin and his company at MVP Equities. Dot com. That's M-V-P-E-Q-U-I-T-I-E-S dot com. So, Kevin, do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today? Sure, love to. So, my background is at 45 years young, I started in the construction industry when I was 15 years old. So, I've been living and breathing the construction industry a large portion of my life. I started out as a carpenter's helper at 15 building houses. I was fascinated with stick building and wood and just cutting things and putting things together. I was the kid that always took things apart and tried to put them back together and just had a technical mind. So I just always had a natural draw to the construction industry and real estate. So I began my career just working through the trade through high school. I was fortunate enough in high school where we had a vocational program where we actually built a house off-site. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we would get bussed off-site and go build a house that we auctioned off for charity. And that was the start of my career. And my carpentry teacher's son was a home builder. So he actually saw me working on this house through school and decided that I had a knack for framing and building houses. So he hired me on during the summers. So I eventually just kept building houses and working in residential construction graduated high school and then actually went to school in upstate New York and got my master's degree in construction management and then just focused into and fell into commercial construction and just basically worked my way up through different companies and project management roles, superintendent roles, so being on site and traveling and just working on various job sites and that transitioned into multifamily. So I had a long extensive background in doing residential single family, then went to multifamily and a mix of commercial as well, which got me through the first six, seven years of my career and eventually decided in 2002 to move to the Washington, D.C., Virginia area, since it was a dream of mine as a kid to build high-rise condominiums or high-rise buildings and apartments. So Washington, D.C. market was a very strong residential and multifamily market, and it just provided an opportunity for me to work for a development company at the time back in 2002 all the way up to 2008 when the big crash happened. And from that point, I had put under my belt several large-scale projects ranging from $100 to $200 million projects, 15-story buildings, things like that, that just had a lot of mass in urban areas around Washington, D.C. 
So it provided a lot of experience for me, a lot of growth, learned to do some larger scale projects and just really fine tune my skills. And as 2008 came and the crash happened and got laid off, that's when I started my own company. So in 2008, Asset Construction Services was born as a general contractor builder. And we worked in, again, Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area throughout the metro area, building commercial spaces, multifamily spaces, and a little bit of residential here and there. And ultimately just got back into development over the last two to three years from 2017 all the way up till now when we developed several different multifamily buildings as we established a healthy balance sheet to use as equity in our projects. And within the last three years, MVP Equities was born and spun off of that as a sole development company. And right now our business plan is to build, develop, and acquire, or in the reverse order, acquire, develop, and build about five to 700 apartment units per year. And currently right now, that's what we have in our pipeline. We have a 224 unit project in Richmond, Virginia, that's in permitting. So we designed that project with an architect firm. We get it entitled, meaning getting the permits, and then we obtain the financing. And then we work with other contractors, usually third-party GCs on projects of this size, to build it for us as we construction manage and just execute the project as a whole and get it to stabilization. We also have a 500-unit project in Charlotte, North Carolina. Same process. We're currently in rezoning and out raising capital for it, syndicating and getting these projects the permit stage so that we can execute, close on the loans and, and build the projects. So five to 700 units a year is our target. And that's currently what we have. And it's going really well. Kevin, thank you for sharing your background. So a few follow-up questions. So you mentioned that really the main reason why you got into development was because of your schooling and your knack for building things. And I was just wondering, do you feel or do you find that development has other advantages over buying existing properties? Or do you think both are good strategies? You just do development because of your background. Or is there another reason why you chose development over buying existing properties? Well, that's a fantastic question, Theo. And my answer would be, it's been in my blood to build new. We have a background in renovating as well, but from the standpoint of building new, because when I moved to Washington, D.C., I got very conditioned to build new projects. So it's more along the lines of it being in my blood, starting with a new canvas. You get to paint the picture. You get to design it. You're not stumbling over somebody else's past, not mistake, but just challenges that you face when you get an existing property. So we just love the challenge of building new. We think that the talent that we have and the ability we have to not only understand the construction process, but the development process as well. And where we add value is, is we're just very good at getting the best and highest use of the piece of dirt to maximize its value, not only from a monetary standpoint, but to improve the neighborhoods that we're building in. And that's a large part of why we pick certain projects is they are in up coming neighborhoods. And they are transitioning and helping transform that neighborhood to be a little bit better. Okay. So another question, since you have a lot of experience with construction management, obviously it's what your master's in. It sounds like you're using third-party GCs for your deal. So other people who are doing massive construction projects or something as, as simple as having a contractor help you flip a house or do renovations on your house. What are some tips you have on managing those contractors? Because we've all heard the horror stories of paying a contractor and never hearing from them again, or 
a contractor not doing great work. So kind of what advice do you have for people big and small, some kind of universal advice for managing contractors to make sure you're getting the most out of your money? Yeah, it's a great question. And like you said, can apply to flipping a home all the way up to a large project. But my advice would be is as cliche as it may sound is do your homework. And breaking that down is one, interview the contractor and really, really get to know them on a personal level and visit their past job sites. Go look at their work, see what they're doing, touch and feel their products, speak to their previous clients or who they're currently working with. That's a big one. There's no better reference than their current clientele. So if they dance around that, that's a sign that you shouldn't probably work with them. Ask for a qualification statement. There's a document that you can get online called an AIA 305, and it basically lists out the qualifications of the contractor from financial strength to previous project history. So you have a paper trail of what they are committing to what they said they have done. So investigate that. Do your homework. When you do start the project, meet with them weekly, take meeting minutes, take photographs. You can't just leave your contractor on an island and expect the project to be done or trust that it's going to be done. You have to be there. You have to show your face. You got to have a presence. And when you have a presence on the job and that people know that they're being held accountable, you usually have a higher chance of success. So doing all that homework will definitely help your chances of success and helping you have a successful project. And then transitioning to funding. So do you mind walking us through how you did your background? Do the same thing, but tell us how you fund your deals, how that has evolved, I guess, since you started your own company in 2008. The funny thing is when I started my company in 2008, I had cashed in my 401k or what was left of it to start my construction company. We really just needed the grindstone, as they say, just really hustled and saved money and built up our balance sheet over a period of a good nine to 10 years. And what that did was it established a track record for us. Really, people saw what we were doing, and then they looked at our previous history with my previous employers, and they saw that long project list that I had accumulated over 15 to 18 years and knew that we could perform, knew that we could execute. And then when we started going out and doing a development deal again, which back in 2017, when we put that hat back on, We started raising money through friends and family. We started just getting the word out there. I'm a mover and a shaker. I love to meet people. I love to be in front of people, shaking hands and just introducing. And just one thing leads to another. And we actually did a hard money loan on one of our first projects. And that guy who gave me the hard money loan actually invested in my project that I had after that. And that just set up another slew of introductions and snowballed into just a bigger project with traditional bank financing. He had a huge relationship with some of the national banks, some of the local banks that got us really good, clean financing and helped us him put in some equity. He brought in another partner. We raised some more equity and it just really snowballed into people just executing on that project, that one being a success. And now to where we are today, we've actually just accumulated more and more investors by doing webinars, podcasts. We started a 506B fund to raise money for accredited investors. So we've gotten really legit with the way we do it. We've also worked with different relationships with debt and equity brokers that help us come in and just open doors. Some of the national players have gotten involved with us just to make introductions and source equity for us, source debt. And just bringing in the right people to really guide us and help us so that we do it 
in the right manner. We do it according to all regulations of the government, the SEC, and making sure we do everything properly and just having the right counsel in that respect. So just a large networking that we've built over the last three, four years has really gotten us in a good position right now. And we think we're going to be able to execute rather efficiently with all our capital stacking. So from 2008 to 2017, during that eight to 10 years, it was no money raised at all. It was just your own personal money that you saved up? Correct. We were just using our own funds at that point. All right, Kevin, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate advice ever is to either find a partner or a mentor coach to work with you on your first project. That will definitely help you flatten that learning curve and really let you learn a lot quicker from somebody that's been there and done it in the trenches. Okay, so quick follow-up question on that. So let's say I want to do a development project, I want to do a first deal, and I listen to this podcast, and I'm like, all right, I need to get a partner or a mentor. How do I get that person on board with my deal? And again, you can say that it's not possible either, but let's say I've not done deal before. Say I, mm-hmm. I have a W-2 job that I've been mm-hmm. working, and I want to get into real estate. How am I able to get that person on board? Do I pay them? How does that work? What I would recommend is for some people to network through local events. Like, for example, in our neck of the woods in Northern Virginia, there's a program called GRID, G-R-I-D, and they have local meetings with mentors and coaches and real estate individuals that actually often market that they will partner with you. You can go to those meetings, start to get to know people, start to get introduced There's guys that we know, for example, that have government IT jobs that are doing their first two or three unit, four unit condo flip. So they get involved with an architect. The architect makes some introductions and offer to partner. You can just start networking with other professionals and offer a joint venture, a 50-50 ownership structure, or if you have three people, a third, a third, and a third. It's really just getting out there, shaking hands, getting to know people, get out there and go to events. Obviously in COVID right now, it's a lot more difficult, but Everything's gone virtual, so you can do it from the comfort of your home now. Do your research and find. I'm a grinder. I go out and just look online, and I just don't stop until I find what I need. So real estate is not for everyone, but you've got to have that passion. You've got to have that grit to be able to go out and find what you need. So just getting out there and, and shaking hands, or anybody can reach out to us, and if we know somebody, we'd definitely be happy to point you in the right direction. All right, Kevin, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Okay, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. If you have a smaller rental portfolio, then here's a no-brainer for you. Hemlane's property management platform automates the entire rental life cycle with connections to local agents and maintenance coordinators you are in control and have more free time check them out at hemlane.com that's h-e-m-l-a-n-e.com okay kevin what is the best ever book you've recently read ah this one's awesome so i read the road less stupid believe it or not. The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. It's a book for any entrepreneur, real estate, whatever business you're in that gives you amazing advice on how to look at your business strategy, no matter what you're doing, whether it's real estate or something else. 
It gives you amazing outlook on how to really break things down and make really good decisions and think about things. He, he focuses in the book about thinking time and spending the time and really thinking about what you're doing. So I highly recommend it. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? I would reach out to all my current mentors and coaches that I have and current partners that I've worked with. And I would, just because I love my business, I would want to rebuild it. And I would surround myself with people because when a man or individual is alone and working by themselves, that's their lowest level of temptation management. So you want to be surrounded by people. You want to be encouraged. You want to be recoached and you want help. And other than that, I would go and help with shelters for dogs and things like that if I really change careers. Tell us about a deal that you lost the most money on, how much you've lost, and then what lessons you learned. I've never lost money on a real estate deal, although we did come close. In 2007, we had bought a piece of property in Arlington, Virginia, and uh, I did it with two coworkers, and we built a spec house. And then 2008 happened, and we should have made over $100,000 a piece. We ended up making about $30,000 a piece, but we came really, really close to losing money. And what we learned from that was we were a lot younger then and just learning more about what the cycles are and paying more attention to other signs in the economy and what's going on in the world to be able to better make judgments about your timing and how you're going to approach a project and how long you want to stay in it. And the biggest project I've ever made money in was a project we did last year in Arlington, Virginia, called the Flats at Pierce Court. We had a significant profit on that. We did very, very well. We built a high-class condo building. And what I learned from that was just location, location, location. It was very close to Washington, D.C. It was about a two-minute drive here in the city. So that old saying holds true. So it was a very successful project. Perfect. Well, you preemptively answered my next question, so I'll skip that one. Which is your best ever deal and move on to... What is the best ever way you like to give back? In my community church, we do a lot of volunteering work. My family, my wife and I, and our two kids, we do volunteering work for homeless shelters or a local church. We like to raise money for Catholic charities. We like to raise money for Black Lives Matter. We do a lot of different stuff with different organizations to try and do our part and contribute to society. We like to donate clothes and toys. We teach our kids to do that so that they understand that there's other kids that need help. They need clothes. They need toys as well. So we try to pass that along to our family, to pass that along through our family and the kids and definitely benefit others as well. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place to reach us is to go to our website at mvpequities.com. Our phone numbers are on there. Our emails are on there. And you can schedule a call with me at any time. Perfect, Kevin. Well, thank you for offering that. And thank you for joining us and providing us with your best ever advice. So very succinct. I like how you just provided everything, boom, 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 in a list. So we talked about first why you selected development over some other real estate strategy or buying existing properties. And really it was just something that was conducive with what you wanted to do, what you'd like to do and your background. So anyone who listens to this podcast knows you can be successful in really any real estate niche. So just pick one you like then do that. (laughs) Exactly. The other one was about the construction management advice. I really like this. So it was do your due diligence on the contractor, which involves interviewing them, involves looking at their previous projects, involves speaking with people that they currently work with and people that they've previously worked with, as well as doing the qualification statement. It says AOA 305. And then once you actually hire them, 
just make sure that you're there, that you're present. Show up at the job site. If they know you're showing up, well, they're going to know they're going to be held accountable. More likely to do a good job as opposed to you just leaving them there for months and months on end. You talked about funding and how it just kind of organically grew from you funding with your own money, kind of building and establishing a track record, and then starting with family and friends. You said that you've got a hard money loan that that person ended up investing. And then through that network, you met more people. And then now you have a very professional webinars and podcasts to raise money from debt and equity brokers. And then once you get to that point, make sure you have the right people on your team, the right counsel, so that you're raising money by the book. And then your best ever advice was to find a partner or a coach, mentor for your first project. You can find them through local networking events. Sometimes there's people who are explicitly marketing that they want to partner with you. And then in order to attract them onto the deal, get them to help you with the deal, just do JB, give them half the deal. Because half of something is better than all of nothing. Well you said. You gotta have to grind and get out there and passionate enough to keep hustling until you find what you need, until you find that business partner and be willing to do whatever it takes to get them onto your first deal. So Kevin, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us again. Best ever listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.